Welcome to Improper Mimi. This is your host, Mimi Jacks. I'm excited. Wait, 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 wait a minute. No, no. Today the show is called LL Proper. Mimi, please take a seat as a panelist. Thank you very much. Today we are going to talk to four women from around the U.S. about how COVID-19 has impacted their work lives. So stay tuned because everyone has something to say. let's get started um it was great seeing all of you again uh we all went to simmons college for grad school and we thought it would be a really great idea to do a podcast talking about the impact that covid19 has had on our professional lives so we're all in different parts of the u.s which is great because i think we'll get different perspectives which is what we're looking for and let's get started by having everyone introduce themselves and also talk about what they do for work and what industry they're in all right great yeah good morning ladies uh, my name is maya lang i graduated from simmons in 2014. Um, i'm from boston living down in dc um, I now work for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Service in the immediate office of the secretary. Um, there, I lead an internal business consulting team looking at um, high priority issues that are impacting um, either the way we're delivering business or the health outcomes that we see um, in the public. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Great. Hello, my name is Marlene Arroyo. I graduated Simmons in 2012. I currently live in San Francisco, California. I'm in the tech industry. I work for a company that is in the mobile marketing space. There I lead people operations on a global scale. So I'm the vice president of people and HR. And it's been a very great ride uh, in terms of seeing the company grow year over year. Excited to be on this podcast with everyone. Hello everyone. I'm uh, Miss Mimi Jacks and um, I, usually host the show, but I've been kicked off of that duty for today. And, um, but I work in uh, corporate real estate. So I have been doing that for many, many years, doing occupancy planning. Um, and I love it. I, I like the, the, the puzzles that we do with buildings, with spaces, with people. Um, so it just kind of gives us something to do all the time with different projects. All right. <laughs> My name is Natasha Eldridge. I graduated, I was in that in-between of um, December 2011 fall, or winter 2012. Um, so yeah, I say 2012 is when I graduated. Uh, so yeah, um, I work in programming and curating for life science events. So I come up with uh, topics and bring together panels and discussions and networking events throughout uh, Cambridge and sometimes in New York City as well. Um, so it's, it's a small startup company and we've accomplished a lot in, in the year since I've joined, but um, it's been great and, and I like what I do. I really do like what I do. The question is, what impact has COVID had on your line of work uh, or the industry that you're in? And anyone can answer that first. So I'll kick it off. Um, yeah, so COVID has been very interesting 
for um, the tech industry in particular and for the mobile marketing space for us, you know, to be honest, we've actually have seen our business grow um, predominantly because people are at home and sort of shopping and then a lot of our clients um, that, that we serve are, are benefiting from um, the movement there. So from a business standpoint, we have, we are hiring even more. Uh, we're across seven different countries and, and that hasn't stopped um, in terms of the growth. And from a, an employee experience side, it's been very interesting um, because originally we were very focused on having people together to share these experiences working side by side and, and learning from each other and kind of benefiting from um, the thought partnership uh, that each and every day holds for us. And so we've had to adjust very quickly. And our employees have been very receptive to um, working remotely and, and kind of a, the, the great thing is because we are international in different offices, it's, it's allowed everyone to be on the same footing. Um, and so being, bringing people together in that way. Uh, so I, I think it's been a very positive experience for the most part. And it's really, um, I feel very humbled and, and blessed to still be leading this, the growth um, that we're seeing. Awesome. And Marlene, I'm actually also in the tech industry now and um, the same. We've seen growth and profits yeah. are, are great. I work for an artificial intelligence company and we're also doing really great. So, um, you know, I think it depends on what industry you're in, right? Exactly. Maya, how about you? Yeah, I think I also failed to um, add that I am in the office of the chief technology officer. So I'm also kind of involved in this tech space. Um, it's been interesting for us, right? So the Department of Health and Human Service has been one of the, the leaders in COVID response. And I'd argue that it it was um, a mess, right? I, I think that there were a lot of challenges. And um, my observations is that from a federal perspective, this was really left to the state. So while we were doing a lot internally, um, the work that needed to be happen was happening, needed to happen in the states. And so we were filling in gaps so you had a lot of people, um, I don't know if people are aware, we have something called public health servants. They're, they're clinicians that kind of look and um, act more on, a, they do emergency response when disasters happen in the country. And their day-to-day -day normally looks like anyone else coming to work. Um, but during disaster times, they're actually deployed. And so a lot of people in the office were sent to different parts of the country in order to support areas that were significantly impacted by COVID-19. Um, so I had many um, co uh, co-workers that were not available. Um, also our senior leadership was leading COVID-19 response. So any priority that we had leading up into this time was paused. Um, so it's been a bit crazy in that way. Um, as far as the team that I'm on, we've all been remote. We've been working from home. I think initially it was a lot of meetings, um, just figuring it out where we needed to focus with COVID-19. We do a lot of um, the public health work through CDC. Um, a member of my team uh, was actually the former uh, CIO for the state of Massachusetts and has a public health background. So we were quickly identifying where there were a lot of issues and contact tracing and things that needed to be stood up. So personally, uh, it's difficult watching the news. I actually had to stop because it, it was something that was such an active dialogue at work that I couldn't 
um, do both at the same time. But it's right now, um, as we shift into a different phase of this, things are starting to normalize again. So it's good. As far as business and industry, I think we all kind of know where healthcare is at. This is just kind of a very crazy time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, even in New York, it's been a kind of crazy, interesting time because there's so many people here. And um, to just think about pausing a city this size with so many people, and this is the 11th week, like we just finished, you know, the 11th week of like working from home. Um, And because I'm in corporate real estate, for the most part, we work with our clients. And so we're trying to help them on planning how to re-enter back into their um, office. You know, how are we gonna take their existing space and either reconfigure it or come up with a a schedule of how people are gonna come into work. Um, And even if some of our clients even want to come back into work, you know, because some of them are saying, eh, we've been doing pretty well working from home, you know, with all of this technology that, you know, we don't need all the office space that we have. So maybe we only need 50% of it. So it's been, um, I'm, ex- I'm actually excited <laughs> just to see um, like the different innovative ways that people will continue to use their office space, you know, because we went to such a um, open office footprint in a lot of cases. Um, and now with uh, physical distancing, you, you know, you don't want to, you know, randomly share your desk with someone else necessarily. Um, although it is also to our personal advantage to, to clean and manage the spaces that we're using, um, I think that is definitely going to kind of change our industry a little bit. Um, I don't think that everyone is going to vacate, you know, their office spaces and not use them at all. You know, I think it depends on the function of what people are doing, you know, um, some people in sales definitely don't need to come to the office they can do that remotely while others who are like in manufacturing or in um, some engineering even aspects or um, teams that definitely work together or want to collaborate in a different way than just online you know they they definitely like that break of coming into the office using their space using the equipment some of it you know you you can't replicate everything at home um but it's definitely you know interesting to see how different people have reacted to it um i'd say me myself you know this little setup i have on my dining room table you know sometimes mentally i'm like huh let me sit on the other side of the table let me switch it up a little bit but for the most part i like the routine of working from home and i'm in no rush to get on the new york subway to go back to work i'll be riding <laughs> um, but you know it, it, it's pretty much a change that's going to be here for a while so yeah um and i think there's going to be a lot of dialogue um excuse me natasha around who needs to actually work remote and who needs to be in the office because i think there's a lot of companies who are not for remote work and now they're seeing a different lens of, of that right um, also, mm-hmm. I think it's also cultural. We have a large population in Pune, India, and none of them worked remote before. So you're working remote during a pandemic, and it's something that you're not accustomed to. So that's something that's been very eye-opening for them. I remember having a conversation with a coworker in India, and he's like, I can't believe how much I miss 
the office coffee. He's like, I want to go back into the office. He's like, I can't work remote because they've never worked remote. Those are not dynamics that they're used to. So that's also an interesting conversation depending on where they're located and like what their culture is and what they've been accustomed to. Yeah. Yeah. Natasha? So um, I would say my situation is a little different because I am a contract worker. Um, so I work remotely anyway. My company is head or headquartered in Durham, based out of San Diego, all of this stuff. So there's no need for any of us to work in an office. Everything can be done remotely. Um, one thing that COVID has done, because I am a contract worker and I have different contracts, um, it's caused some of those contracts to end. So I've actually lost money um, because people in the industry I work in is all about people being in front of each other. Um, you know, but also some of the side contracts I have, teaching at Harvard. Harvard totally changed things this year and um, for the extension program and only a few of the, the teachers because they reduced the number of classes. That's also money out the door. Um, so it, it's, it, while I've, I've enjoyed being at home, while I've, in, in that's normal anyway, um, creating a new routine because I, I got a dog, so I do have a new routine going on and all of that. I still have to reckon with on a day-to-day -day basis of, and, and this is where I struggle, of the money that was supposed to come in starting March versus the money that's coming in now. So I, I have a feeling things will go back, but I think myself, I have to be innovative in terms of what is the next step that events are going to do, or how are people gonna actually meet each other again? Um, you know, there's so many webinars out there. I think people are getting lost in the, in the hype, in the mud of, of everyone's going digital with all their information. Um, so in, in, you know, it's all about networking and, and, you know, me finding sponsors and things like that. I, I can't do that on webinars. So yeah, yeah. So it, it's been a different story. I'm still smiling though, because I know things will come back for me. Yeah, that that's my story with COVID right now. All right. Well, hearing you, hearing Natasha. Sorry, I just have one one thought. Oh, um, go ahead. Natasha, go ahead. Natasha, share about being innovative, right? Innovative. I think from an individual standpoint, that makes a ton of a ton of sense for someone like Natasha that's at the forefront and an entrepreneur, but. What I think is particularly exciting at this moment is companies that traditionally have struggled to find the right talent, like very talented people, um, have not had the opportunity for their own, for different reasons, culturally within the company, but um, also locations that, um, that will now have the benefit to find talent that is around the country um, because this notion of being comfortable and and productive, uh, having a productive workforce that is remote is allowing for that conversation to happen. I am particularly excited being the lead of HR because and talent because our retention rates in the Valley are um, anywhere from 16 to 18 months. It takes, it takes about uh, six months to find talent. So the Kind of the cost to hire is high and i think that it's you know that those conversations will now start happening in to be able to open it up and find people wherever it is you are and 
you know, onboard them and make them successful that way. I think, I think that that's a, an opportunity that possibly all of us can benefit from. Yeah, no, really great points, really great points. And so some, a topic that's come up a lot is work-life balance, right? And I know I talk to people about it all the time and I actually worked from home for two and a half years before coming to my new job. And so I'm accustomed to it. I know how to manage it. But there are some people who feel like they're always on, they're always working. And being in a global company, I think sometimes people feel like they need to work around the clock. So on US hours and then, you know, their own time zones, which really could, basically it's burnout, right? Anywhere you look at it, you can't work 24 hours a day. So what did your work-life balance look like before the pandemic and what does it look like now? Michelle, do you want to kick us off on that one? What? Let's see. <laughs> I was going to, but you didn't have to call me out. No. <laughs> um, let's see. I mean, I think that probably in earlier in my career, my work-life balance was a hot mess. You know, I was definitely a workaholic. Um, I was raising my daughter through, um, I think when I first started my career, she probably was just starting like elementary school. So eventually, you know, of course, from the, t the mouth of children, you know, they will say, you know, why are you like, we're supposed to be on vacation. Why are you checking your phone? You know, like, so she would say something like that. And I'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. So eventually I, I pretty much cut back my workaholic ways. <laughs> I mean, I definitely love to work until the job gets done, but I've learned to set those boundaries to, to like say, okay, at the end of the night, you know, I'm not gonna work past, you know, like maybe six or seven. Um, and now that she's a, a grown adult and it's just me, um, I still kind of hold true to that. You know, I still generally work from, I, I still keep my schedule. So I get up about seven or so. I usually work from about eight to six, maybe kind of, which is, I guess, a little longer than a regular day, but it's, it's basically normal because you'll take a break, you have lunch, go look out the window, you know, come back. Um, so I don't think my, Work-life balance has changed that much. I think that I was accustomed to doing a lot of networking after work. So like in the city, I would go to this event or that event and meet up with people, either work with, you know, one professional organization or, you know, even, you know, working on the podcast, whatnot. Um, so I still very much look forward to the weekend and resting of like doing nothing. My niece will say, Auntie Mimi, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. She's like, but are you watching TV? I'm like, nope, no TV. I'm just sitting here relaxing just because I've done so much during the week. Yeah. And even now with all of the Zoom calls and, and the webinars and you know the meetings back to back, I, I need a break. I need like a no technology kind of like debrief, bring out my puzzle, just sit on the couch and have a drink break. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's still pretty balanced. I, I, I don't think that, there is like a perfect balance to work-life balance, but um, keeping it, you know, juggling and keeping things moved around and, and setting boundaries, I think has been the best thing for me. Great. Work-life balance is super important to me. I'm one of those people that at, at one point in life, there was kind of no boundaries. I saw everything I did as being fluid. Um, and about a year ago, I traveled every other week for work 
across the country, multiple different time zones. And that was a bit unsettling, you know, just trying to constantly maintain um, a good schedule. And about last summer, got really sick. And um, because things can be so large, you get so tied up into the project, you just want to see it get there. Um, and I'm very, everything I do be, or it tends to be project based. So you're kind of, you just want to see success in a project. Um, but about a year ago, I shifted my priorities and really started to define boundaries in my life. And that was the point where um, work had to stop at a certain time and it, and, it, and it could not happen on the weekend. I mean, it would have to be an extreme exception for a nighttime and, and a super extreme exception um, for the weekend because I learned that if I didn't protect my time, I couldn't be as effective at my work as I wanted to be. And learned a lot about um, maintaining effectiveness while shifting pace. And that's kind of just been, so maintaining effectiveness while shifting pace, establishing boundaries. Though These are like core things for me at this point. And so when COVID hit, it was actually pretty easy for me to transition into fully working from home. I was used to working remote in general, um, but I knew that establishing a, a, now a new schedule based off of this new normal was what I needed to figure out quickly. So I continue, I get up at 5.30 every single day. I spend between 5.30 and 8.30 on myself, whether it's meditating, working out, cleaning, um, paying bills, going through, it's just whatever I need to do for myself. And my workday starts at 8.30. It wraps up by around five. Um, in my workday, I don't take meetings after three o'clock, again, at, unless it's an extreme situation. And I spend the first two hours of my workday focused on work, no meetings. And that's just how I've been able to become effective. And then when it's time to wrap the day up, I'm, I'm switching gears and it's, it's my time, it's family time, um, but it's not work time. Um, and I find that by establishing those lines, I'm able to stay pretty um, emotionally, pretty, com you know, stable. You mentioned something, Maya, that you said you started to adjust your work-life balance before COVID, right? And I think there are people now who have never worked remote who are trying to figure that out, right? They're like, if my manager sends me an email at 10, Am I supposed to respond? You know, and I think sometimes people are unsure of how to act, right? But I love that you said, if I can't protect my time, I can't be effective because I work all the time. And I think it's more because I'm still new at this organization. So I feel like I do have a lot to prove. But sometimes when I find myself working yeah. weekends, I'm just cranky on Monday because I had no time to rest or regroup or, you know, re-energize. So I, I do need to protect my yep. time because at the end of the day, my health comes first. And I think a lot of people are trying That's right. to figure that out right now. And I think some of it is because I have, I have a health condition that I've been living with my whole life. Um, so adjusting to these realities has just been something I've had to do. Um, equally, I'm always, because I do lead a team, I am always actively aware of what's happening through email. People who work with me know that I, I make a very conscious choice. I do not send emails at night. I do not send early morning emails 
I do not send emails on the weekend. So I may see it, but I've learned through discernment that responding to it in that moment is no different than responding to it tomorrow during in the morning or no different than me responding to it on Monday and that there is a superficial sense of urgency that exists in the workforce that I'm that I'm actively combating. Yeah. And I love that because I think you're modeling the way, right? So they know, oh, I don't have to be on all the time. I don't have to send these emails. But I think sometimes when your leaders are doing the opposite, even though you feel like that's not what you should be doing, sometimes you feel obligated, like, oh, I have to do this. And I think also people are looking at people being laid off and furloughed. And I think that puts a little bit of fear in them too, right? Like, oh, I have to be on all the time. Right, but we know about what we know about business is that if someone's going to be eliminated, if it gets down to the point where we need to start eliminating jobs, it's almost arbitrary at that point. Yeah. And the fact that I did or did not answer an email at night, if that's the reason why you decide to let me go, I need I need to go. Like this isn't yeah. this is not the place for me, yeah. you know? And so I'm like, yeah. yeah. If if I was if I'm performing bad, tell me that but measuring my performance as to whether or not I responded to an email at 10 p.m., we can, we can, I mean, that's not a performance yeah. indicator. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do agree with what you're saying, but in the start of the the 10 p.m. emails, the 12 a.m. emails, the 6 a.m. emails, and you're wondering, when did the boss fall asleep? Um, you know, so he's the last thing you read, the first thing you read waking up. So, and unfortunately, I've been in that culture previous to the, the current people I work with now. Uh, and I think that has kind of carried over a little bit in and especially being a contract worker, you are worried about losing your contract. You are worried, you know, you're easily replaceable or you're just not in the budget anymore. So you always want to make yourself useful for the company. Um, so I, I, I think those fears ride with me, but it's also, I wake up at six in the morning most of the times. So I'm just laying in bed, waiting for the dog to move and then, I get to take her on an hour and a half walk. So, you know, my, my days are not structured the same as everyone where I probably am getting um, at least to, up to air and taking a breath. You know, I know my day ends as soon as we're at the dog park. So my, my pleasure time is her schedule or it's, you know, I think one positive thing that COVID has done is I now have you know, Zoom happy hour meetings, people I went to college with, you know, with my family, my family, you know, you text, you're done. Now every Thursday night, we have family game night. So it, it's, and I know I'm done. Like family game night starts, let's get serious. <laughs> so it's, it's made, I, I think the priorities have changed. So, so it is taking time and and being able to still do that. But I, I think one word you mentioned was fluid before, and I think that that might still kind of be my life now, where it just all kind of rolls together and keeps going. Um, I am able to find some refreshment in between that. Though. How do you protect yourself, like um, for you know mental health awareness and even physical health and. Um, like the toll that that constant on takes on you. Mm. I think that's important. Well, 
I, I know with me taking her for an hour and a half, I actually, um, I lost 10 pounds in COVID versus, you know, eating and all that stuff because I'm busy running around with her. Um, you know, I, I, I do think in, in one of the webinars I opened with and I was all like, are you okay? Have you guys asked yourself that question, right? Because we all kind of ran into this mode um, and it's taking that mental stop and saying, am I okay? How is today going? Okay, today doesn't feel like the strongest day for me. Let's take a step back. Let's let's go spend a little bit more time outside today or something like that to help balance it all, I think. Great. Marlene? Yeah, um, you know, this is, I struggle with the topic of work-life balance because I, um, I feel like I have not been very good at this for the last, since I graduated since 2012. And the reason for that, I, I have felt that I've been just so go, go, go in the startup phase of uh, companies doubling in size and being at the forefront of that and leading global teams. So this notion of time zones has always affected me. So we, I've been at companies that I've worked with people out of APAC EMEA and then different time zones within the US and it just hasn't stopped. And so, you know, at the beginning, it was fun. It was exhilarating. And, and so now, um, you know, I became a new parent through COVID, um, became a, a mother in January and then COVID sort of hit while I was on maternity leave. And I am, I'm learning, I'm learning. I think it's been a great time to reflect because I've been able to um, just realize what's important in life now that I'm starting my own my own family and uh, empathizing with new parents um, in the workforce had I, I think that this has given me a lot of just it just like gives life just smacks you in the face and says wake up you know like there's other things that are even more important so I I feel um, challenged in a good way to try to be that voice and that leader that's um, provides boundaries um, for for everyone, but in particular right now, um, I guess new parents is top of mind. And on a personal level, you know, right now, my 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 baby is um, a few months old, and we share our, our our house, and I have a home office, and my husband has a home office, and we have um, uh, my my mother that is my. Um, my right hand from, from a childcare standpoint, she comes in and takes care of the baby all day. And I feel quite blessed to have transitioned back to the workforce through COVID. And I get to see my baby in the middle of my day when I'm on my way yeah. to the bathroom. And so that's, it's been really cool. And I don't know what I would have done if I, if it would, I think it would have been much harder to drop him off at a, a daycare center and um, go, go to work. So. Um, yeah, I think it's been the best of both worlds. I, I'm still learning how to establish that, those those boundaries and set that example for my team um, out of necessity and, and out of just realizing how important um, these things are, so. Yeah, thank you. I love that question because I always get different perspectives, right? Everyone has a different yeah. definition of work-life balance. <laughs> um, so outside of the pandemic, because there is a life outside of the pandemic. Um, what's the one thing that's on your mind? What What's the one thing that keeps you up at night outside of COVID? Mm. That, that's a good question. Um, 
this week especially i i'd say and um and this will probably come out in a few weeks later so it'll be interesting what's in the news in a few weeks but um this week has been like some of the social violence and riots and protests and um the death of um george floyd that has kind of kept me up and um i talk a lot about mentoring and working with youth and and it just is it just kind of weighs on my heart like outside of the pandemic the how it affects the black community um how the police violence against you know um people of color is not taking a pause <laughs> you know that's still happening and that is heavy on my mind at times of like these kids are graduating high school they're about to go off to college and they have the worries of covid on their mind but then they also have the worries of funding school and and safety you know while they're walking down the street normally um so that's one thing that you know that kind of keeps me up when i think about my family and friends and um like even last night in brooklyn the protest going on i got to check in on my people and be like i didn't go but you know like how was it you know are you guys okay what happened um so that that's been one thing like kind of wearing on my outside of covid you know that that hasn't stopped you know so maya how about you it's hard cuz i i sleep like the baby at night you know i just i pass out <laughs> i'm i mean i'm like it's like clockwork i just you know 10:30 comes and i'm out and uh life is good <laughs> Uh, I I'm I think you know I'm blessed in general you know I'm I'm thankful that during this time I'm able to maintain income that I'm able to be engaged that my nobody in my immediate family has been significantly impacted that everyone's safe um and so the things that I reflect on during the day I can't say anything's keeping me up at night so I'm not stressing um is that I I am in general concerned about the health and well-being of um our community, communities of color. Um I'm I'm concerned because we're we're significantly impacted when anything happens. It's it's not just COVID. When any shock happens, we're we're going to be impacted, you know, and I always I always like to think about shocks. And when you're not insulated as a community, then you're going to be impacted and we're and we're seeing that. And I what I what I observe is um this is just the beginning of many different challenging moments. I don't I don't believe that when we get to the other side of this in a couple months that everything reverts back to normal. And um a lot of my thoughts have been about one healing how are people using this time to heal um and how are we caring and feeding for each other as a community and that's been a lot of what i've been thinking about mm. right um i would say still the normal stuff of of worrying in terms of you know what is my runway i i need to find a new apartment in boston you know all all of that stuff you know i'm planning a family reunion in boston for 2021 still going ahead and and doing all of the normal stuff so i i feel like you know the worry now is making sure i have the mask everywhere i go uh, more than anything but i i do want to 
go back in, in you know, uh, Maya and, and Mimi of, I, I think the past couple of days, you know, in, in how cyclical it's becoming, right? Because we can drop, jump from Georgia to Louisville to Minneapolis. Um, and this is all within months of each other. And I think the, the, the worry I have is a, you know, worried for all the African-American males in my family, especially, and worried that whatever happens between having a black president, COVID, the institutionalized issues does not seem to move a needle. And that, that to me is what I have been angry about for the past couple of days. Is it a worry? Not as much as it used to be a worry because again, it's so cyclical. You just, you become aware of your surroundings. You're like making sure you're safe. But again, it's every month it feels like this is happening. So, um, you know, it, it's it, it's one of those things that it's it's on the mind constantly, I would say. I don't know if it's a worry, but it's on the mind. Yeah, I just want to quickly mention something that Maya said because kind of similar like her, I, I usually fall asleep pretty quickly and um, I try to, uh, to just have peace and clarity, right, when I go to sleep. Um, but one thing that I've been telling people a lot who are like overwhelmed with the news, overwhelmed with what they're able to do and not do, overwhelmed with, you know, everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter um, is control what you can control. I think I've tried to live by that because there's only so much that I can do. Um, and I have seen stress, anxiety, depression show in my health. And so if, if I'm not healthy and if I'm not good for anyone else, I can't, if I'm not well, I can't be good for anybody else, right? So I can't take on all your problems and all your stress. All I can do is pray and control what I can control and um, and know that things are gonna be different outside of COVID, but how can we change that? How do we move the needle on Black Lives Matter? How do we move the needle on, you know, um, minorities, black, brown people being more educated on what needs to be done with the healthcare system and taking care of the, their mental health, right? Because I think that outside of this, and I'm not in that world, I feel like Maya might know a little bit more, um, it's gonna, I feel like there's gonna be an explosion of mental health issues with a lot of folks who are social distancing. And, you know, um, I have a roommate, but I don't know if, if I lived here by myself, would I be okay? You know, would I be as okay as I am now? Um, you know, Natasha, with your dog, I'm sure that Charlie Girl has helped you through um, everything that's going on, right? But there are people who are depressed, who are suicidal, who are in abusive relationships, and they need to stay home. So what's the impact that that's gonna have on people? So that's, that's some of the things that I think about. And Lysandra, I just want to build off of that. When the, when COVID started, my immediate concern was actually for children. I was worried about children at home in abusive situations oh, wow. and them not being able to go to school or have a reason to get outside the home where they can actually communicate with someone. That has been a pervasive concern of mine. I know domestic violence being one issue, but I'm I have become deeply concerned about children at home with with adults that may already have some mental health challenges. 
that are further exacerbated by COVID-19 and these children being at home. That has been that has been my deepest concern. Yeah. And one thing that I'll just say before I um, pass it on to uh, Marlene is um, I'm on the advisory board for the Boys and Girls Club of Lawrence, and it's where I grew up. Um, so very passionate about it. And they serve the largest number of kids in Massachusetts. Um, so even though the club closed down, they were still doing supper for the kids. So bad lunches because they know that the kids depend on them for so much, whether it's tutoring, whether it's getting out of the household because there's, you know, abuse or alcoholism or whatever it might be. So they still get to see them and talk to them when they give them their bag lunch. And that like broke my heart. And I was so excited because I was like, wow, like this is so awesome because, you know, I bring food to my church because there are people who right now, when it comes down to paying your rent or feeding your kids, it's probably going to be feeding your kids, right? So a lot of really good stuff. All right, Marlene, I'll pass it on to you. Yeah, I guess for me, it's it's really difficult to, um, I mean, I guess what keeps me up at night is everything that's going on in the world and and, and the problems that just continue to pile, pile up on each other. Um, I, I think for, for me, what post the pandemic is, um, just coming up with a model and a and some principles that my my husband and I li can live by, so that we become more grounded to where we do we want to go together in life. Um, that then will allow us to come back and contribute to the world in positive ways. So, for instance, one thing that I, I am hyper focused right now is how to create, uh, build, and continue to create financial freedom, so that. If we're in situations that um, are not healthy for us as individuals um, or or that we don't believe in because they have ripple effects to our, our, our communities of color, that then we have the courage to be able to uh, remove ourselves from those. And, um, I, you know, at work, I have the privilege, um, right, I feel the responsibility to speak up and create programs that support our employees uh, with mental mental health awareness or diversity equity and inclusion and uh, what keeps me up at night is um, can i be that leader that really brings others along and that we put we put our money where where uh, our dollars where our, our how do you what am i trying to say that that we really stand behind what we're thank you <laughs> that we're really standing behind what we're saying that we are all about um because we on there there's tons of research around diversity brings is good for the business, but at the end of the day, are how are we really including them and bringing those folks along and promoting them from within? So, um, all to say is, um, it, it, I just feel like there's often a, a, a tension that at some point I would want to be free from that. Um, you know, I don't need a job to be able to move the needle, but then also how can I feel good about creating this nest egg so that in the event that I don't feel my values are in line, that I could move on to the next thing and not be so afraid of that. Um, so yeah, big, big things to do in the world. Um, mm. But I think it's the right thing for, for our communities. Yeah, I think has been on my spirit for a while now, Marlene, is how do I create multiple sources of income, yeah. um, right? And how do I teach my, my children that? How do I teach my niece that? 
because um, I think that's important right now. You know, I just have one. And what happens if, if that happens, if, if I lose that one source of income, right? So it's trying to diversify where where I'm investing my money and who is it going to, right? Because I want to be supporting the right causes as well. That's right. So, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to add one of the things that I've started to do amongst my network is have financial discussions. I think that this is the perfect time to be considering finances and how to diversify that portfolio. And even with whatever your existing level of income or cash flow is, there's opportunities to make that money work for you. And that may not look like multiple jobs. Yeah. You know, would welcome you into those discussions if you're so interested. Yeah. Well, yes, I would be. <laughs> so definitely send me that information. Yeah, we might even have to have another episode. I was going to say, <laughs> Mimi Jacks might have another episode coming up on financial uh, literacy by Maya. So definitely keep us in the loop with that. I think it's important. Um, to, to you know, help each other out. So ladies, we are coming close to time. And my last question is, we're gonna end on a positive note. And that is, what are you grateful for? Um, and I think that there's a lot to be grateful for, right? Um, I think now where, you know, I come from a family, uh, my family's from Dominican Republic and my immediate family is pretty small, but I didn't realize how much I missed just the physical contact of my immediate family, right? So I FaceTime my mom probably like 17 times a day. <laughs> and um, it literally is like, I didn't even know FaceTime existed to COVID, right? I'm like, oh my God, like I can do this and I can like, you know, FaceTime Michelle instead of having to go all the way to New York. And mm -hmm. so I think that's what I'm most grateful for. <laughs> I think I'm most grateful for um, my family and just the love and support that I get from them, even uh, being social distance, um, but also missing that affection and that love from them. So I think I literally like when all this is over, right? Um, it's like, let's go on a big family trip to Greece or do something that we've never done. So that's kind of what I look forward to and what I'm grateful for. Um, so I am grateful for, you know, and one thing in, in backing up and talking about the financials and stuff is, is being grateful that I can actually social distance and work from home, you know, just walking and seeing people get on the bus with their children because they had, there's no one taking care of the kids. You got to take them to work with you. Um, and, and another thing of not knowing is can the child get the proper education, you know, because their parents are working. And I think now they expect parents to do the teaching as well. So I think that's something to be socially aware of um, as well that this has brought out. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm grateful for Zoom. You know, it's brought so many people together. Unfortunately, the first half of the year, I've lost, unfortunately, several people, three people within the first two months. And so now to know that I can connect and grandma's learning to connect, you know, let's do a game night. Hey, I just need to FaceTime you. So, so having that, that, that technology to could still connect with each other, um, it, it helps yeah. and I think it probably helps in terms of making sure that the depression doesn't come on and, and making sure you're still connected to something, right? You send an email, you still don't feel that connected at work, but, but 
to to be able to have real talks with family and friends and things like that, building that connection. So <laughs> yeah. I'll say thank you to the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I, I kind of exist in gratitude. I try to kind of be grateful in every moment, and um, so you know, with that, I'm just I'm I'm grateful to have my own kind of mental health, my own space. Um, I'm I'm grateful for the love of my family um, to have their love and support. Um, I'm super grateful that I'm able to socially distance, that I'm able to work from home that I'm able to maintain a job, um, that I'm that I'm able to have that level of peace during such a, a, a crazy time. Um, so I'm 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 super grateful and I'm 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 thankful for the little things. I I I, I treat myself to Chick-fil-A once a week. I have a chicken biscuit and a vanilla iced coffee and it's it's <laughs> joy. It's like it's just pure joy. And so I guess I'm also just very thankful for the little things in this time. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Thank you. And it is so important to to appreciate and to acknowledge those little things because, you know, for people who struggle, you know, during this time of social distancing, holding on to even a little thing helps you to see the bigger picture. Holding on to, um, being able to find, you know, the cereal you like in the grocery store or to get fresh fruits and vegetables that brings happiness, you know, for that moment, which lets you know that, okay, the total day wasn't a waste. You know, that there are other things that impact my mood and these little wins can help make me happy. Say like for me, I switched clients um, at the end of December. So January, I was really starting a new job uh, with a new client and, um, they were doing these gratitude circles like every week. And I'm like, man, can we get this meeting started? It's been a half an hour and we're still talking about how grateful we are. But um, as time has progressed, I really have begun to enjoy those moments. I mean, much like you, Maya, I, I'd be grateful for anything. I'd be grateful for, you know, getting to the train and the doors, you know, it, the train is just arriving. I'd be grateful for finding a parking spot. Like, what? Thank you, Lord. Um, so, but to sit down and express myself with other people about gratitude, it really helped me to realize uh, how different and similar we are kind of at the same time you know some of the things that people would be grateful for you know I'd be like really but then at the same time you see that other people have always gone through or struggled with certain things and I'm like wow we're getting deep in this meeting I'm like I'm I'm grateful you know for a team that does their job and we all like know how to like delegate or you know but I think just even being grateful for gratitude, for family and friends, um, for their health, for, for being able to communicate with people, to share those, that gratitude with them. And, and I think the more that we've been doing these gratitude circles, the gratitude has grown. You know, so you, you increase you know, your appreciation for others and for yourself and even recognize you know, for um, the, 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 the strength and the, the, the assets or the benefits that you bring to the table you know so that you are appreciative of yourself as well as other people so that's some of the things that i've been grateful for of being able to share that with people 
and one thing I'll mention about the gratitude circle, and I know some people might find that kind of like a little too touchy-feely, but I think right now having emotional intelligence is so important. And a lot of people are over-communicating, right? So every meeting I open up is, how's everyone feeling, right? How are they doing? Um, because I think that people need that before you jump right into the meeting. And again, with, with me working for a global company, it's cultural, right? I don't know how, you know, I had to adjust my communication styles because it's different when I speak with someone from Vienna or India, right? It's different. So it's more about relationship, business, like relationship management, which I think is all that I'm about. Um, I also launched a mentoring program at my job in early April. And um, I was a little nervous about that because I was like, oh my God, this is happening, people aren't gonna wanna participate because their priority is somewhere else. But it, it it's going well, and I think, um, you know, people have had to adjust to, you're not just talking about career development, you're talking about, you know, a little bit probably about mental health, like how are you doing, right? And we've had to adjust a lot of things. Marlene, I'm sure you know, um, we had like, you know, mid-year reviews or touch points, and it's kind of like managers, make sure you don't, talk so much about performance, but really about how can I support you? And you know, what do you need from me? So I think um, people just need to adjust and like change how, what their approach is during this time. So yeah. All right, Marlene, one. how about you? Oh, <laughs> go ahead, Michelle. Sorry, sorry, I was just gonna say one more thing. And, and that's been big in how companies react to how people are feeling. You know, they have to stay, you know, I was talking with um, another guest and, and she was talking about how they need to stay connected with what's happening with their employees. You know, so I'm, I'm in, in corporate real estate and thank goodness I can work from home, but there's a lot of people who are actually in the field. They are essential workers. We have the janitors and, and the facility maintenance guys that have to be on site to make sure the buildings are still in proper condition and for some of the buildings that are still open so taking the time to make sure that they and their families are okay because they're constantly going out and then going back home with their families so we have to stay connected with them and be able to offer and give them the support they need you know beyond just ppe but like you say checking in with them and actually talking and understanding what they're going through as well yeah yeah um i am so grateful for many things but the top three that come to mind is number one being a woman number two for my family and number three for technology uh, being a woman because i had the privilege and blessing to give birth um, that was incredible um, women are amazing and uh, the second is my family i'm one of of eight um, i have six brothers and sisters and uh, during this time through covid my grandmother happened to share this we we were in the same household and she's 94 and um we were i was you know sharing she was sharing her story with me and i had the privilege of uh recording that and and kind of started creating some some blog video blogs for um blogs for my son and so that to me is so special um and um through through family sort of social distancing um, experiences, we we were able to share food meals and kind of drop them off at each other's houses. And so that was very, very special. And the last thing is technology, um, the ability to just create stories um, that, that can live forever and you um, and, and just instructional videos and uh, connecting with people is really special. Um, 
So I, I love all, the, all of these three things and super grateful for them. Great. Well, ladies, thank you so, so much. I know we've gone over time a little bit, um, but it was so worth it. And um, I just want to thank Marlene, Natasha, Maya, and Miss Jell, the host, the real host of the show, um, for putting this together and giving us a platform to talk about what we're all going through through different lenses. So thank you all and be safe, take care. Maya, loop us in on that financial stuff you're doing. And Marlene, I will definitely connect with you on some other stuff. Take yeah. care, be safe, ladies. Thank, thank you. you, Sandra. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. I was gonna say thank you also ladies all for just being awesome. Just for being yourself, for being awesome and for sharing your stories with us all today. <laughs> thank you. Okay, Mimi Jax, since it is your show, I'll let you gracefully close us out. So I'll pass it back to you. Thanks, LL. I just wanna thank everyone for joining us today and thank you for listening to Improper Mimi, where we talk about empowering women at home, work, or play. Be sure to follow Improper Mimi wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you and we'll talk to you soon. Ciao.